from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It is the third hour of the show, 906. Hope you guys are having a wonderful night. I am Jake Skorheim, your host. If you're just tuning in, uh, I hope you're just having a great day. We do a lot of fun stuff here. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first two hours of the show, shame on you. Shame. Deep shame. Go back and listen. Not now, but get the podcast. Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim. Find it wherever podcasts are sold. We don't even sell it. We just give it away for free. That's how much we think it's worth. All right. Hope you guys enjoy it. So get the podcast, but keep listening to the show. All right. We have so much to get to. Let's just get to it. We have to get on. We have to get on. We have so much time and so little to do. Strike that. Reverse it. All right, so earlier in the show, we were talking a little bit about this, and we had a huge response from you on the text line, 888-973-5476. I would love to hear your response to this. What you guys think of this? There's a company called Kite Baby, and they made a profoundly stupid error. One of their employees who had been struggling to start a family with her husband, they had tried um, IVF a bunch of times and it didn't work. They had unfortunately suffered some miscarriages. She even had a really scary incident where she apparently uh, almost died during one of the surgeries when they were trying to have uh, kids. It just, nothing was working for them. So they decided, like many people decide to do, we're going to adopt. And that we, we, want, we want to build our family. We want to you know expand our family, grow our family. So we want to adopt. So they end up connecting with a woman who is going to let them adopt her baby. And so it's this little miracle baby. Now the baby is born premature and they name the baby Judah and Judah has to be in the NICU for the foreseeable future, like for some, a good amount of time. It's going to be very stressful. It's going to cost a lot of money and that kid's going to need a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of prayers. So this mom, her name is Marissa Hughes and her husband, Raleigh, they're from Dallas, they make the decision that they're going to go and be with their son in the NICU, as any parent would do, obviously. Any parent knows if your kid has to go to the hospital, you're going with them. And if your kid has to be overnight in the hospital, you're going to sit there with them. Up all night, doesn't matter. You're going to be with your kid. That's just how parenting works. So this girl, Marissa, she goes to her boss at this company where she works called Kite Baby. And Kite Baby is a uh, company that from, from the best I could get online, I could find out about them. They're a baby clothing company and they're online. And so she goes to her company and she says, hey, my son is in the NICU. I need to work remotely with him. That's just what I have to do. So her boss says, according to the story, allegedly her boss says, uh, I can give you two weeks to work remotely with your son, but your job is not a remote job. So you cannot have more than two weeks. Now, little Judah is going to need a lot more love than just two weeks. So she can't just sit there for only two weeks and then pack up and say, oh, time to go. Good luck, Judah. And so she has to stay there with her kid. This, parents know this. You have to be there with your kid. So she says, please, can I stay? Uh, I need to figure this out. This is not going to be forever. It's just going to be temporarily while we sit here with our son, who we want to make sure that we're supporting. And her boss says, eh, no, can't do it. Request denied. Now, can you imagine going to your boss at work, explaining the situation as I've just explained it to you, and then your boss denying it? And then can you imagine being fired by that boss for wanting to go spend time with your kid in the hospital? That's allegedly what happened here. The CEO of the company has now gone on TikTok and explained her side of the story, given her explanation, because when people heard about this, they were obviously incensed. I'm incensed. You're incensed. Just listening to me explain it to you. Everyone is incensed online. 
especially in this world where people can be extra choosy with what they buy. We have a lot of options now. And so you go to a website like this, who, you know, this, this kid clothing company, which probably isn't cheap. And you're going, hey, you know what? If I'm going to spend my hard-earned, hard-earned dollars on this clothing, I want to make sure that I like the company culture. I certainly, I don't have to like everything about it, but I certainly am not going to support a company that doesn't support their employees when they're trying to support their families, a company that's made for babies, not supporting a woman who's just trying to be with her baby. That's crazy. That is a disaster from a PR perspective. I cannot believe a company could be this stupid as to do this. So the CEO of the company gets onto TikTok and puts out this statement. And people just pick the statement apart. They said it feels practiced. It feels completely scripted, which it does. It's you can. I'm going to play it for you in a second. So very scripted. It seems scripted. It seems practiced. It seems disingenuous and kind of cold-hearted. And knowing the story that we know now, which is that you let this employee go and denied their request to be with their child. Maybe this is a cold-hearted company. I don't know. This is what people are asking. So the tick, the CEO goes on to TikTok and gives this very scripted explanation. It did not go over well. You be the judge. Is this a good explanation? I wanted to hop on here to sincerely apologize to Marissa for how her parental leave was communicated and handled in the midst of her incredible journey of adoption and starting a family. I have been trying to reach out to her to apologize directly as well. Kaibaby prides itself in being a family-oriented company. We treat biological and non-biological parents equally. Through both my personal and professional experiences, I have the utmost respect for babies, families, and the adoption community. So she has the utmost respect for babies, families, and the adoption community, even though she told her employee that, no, you can't go be with your baby, that you're adopting, who's in the NICU, which is insane. I just can't even believe that. Um, all right, so that didn't go over well. First apology, it did not fly. People didn't like it. So the CEO of Kite Baby then goes on to TikTok a second time and attempts to offer a second apology. This one, she decides to do smartly. She decides to not make this one scripted. And hopefully it will come across as a little more genuine. You can be the judge of this. Do you think this is an appropriate apology? Does this do the job of making sure that she's conveying to the employee and all of the community of people who shop at her company that they should continue doing so and that the employee should come back whenever she wants to when she's done taking care of her child? Here's the second apology. Let me know what you think. I just posted a official apology on TikTok and the comments were right it was scripted i memorized it i i just basically just read it it wasn't sincere and i've decided to go off script and just tell you exactly what happened i've been thinking about what went wrong and i think sincerely what went wrong was how we treated marissa and i was the one that made the decision to veto her request to go remote um, while she has to stay in NICU to take care of her adopted. <laughs> I just got to pause it right there. That's so crazy to me. I just can't believe the companies in this day and age, when everything is about like how many comments you have and what kind of ratings people are giving you and just how quickly bad news can spread on the internet where you can be canceled like that, that a company could be so ridiculous as to make this decision. Plus, I just really care about families. I think families have it. Re- I mean, Families are so blessed in so many ways, but it's also really hard. Like if you're trying to make it as this young mom is in the world of technology and, you know, the uh, online shopping and all those things and take care of a family, 
that's a really stressful situation when everything's working great. But when your kid is in the NICU, like 10 times that, it's 10 times harder. So for, for this company to make it hard on her, bad move. Uh, baby. And when I think back, this was a terrible decision. I was insensitive, selfish, and was only focused on the fact that her job was um, had always been done on site. And I did not see the possibility of doing it remotely. However, having a little bit of sensitivity, understanding, and flexibility would have accommodated her, but I did not accommodate her. her. So it, I cannot imagine the stress she had to go through, not having the option to go back to work and having to deal with a newborn in, um, in NICU. So that's a really key point there. When the boss says, I can't imagine the stress she had to go through. Well, that's called empathy. And that's a really important thing. And I feel like maybe we've lost a lot of that in society these days. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's because we've all become so disconnected because of uh, everything is online and Zoom and whatever it is. But to have empathy for your fellow man and to understand that they might be going through a situation that's bad. Like if somebody's like really cold to you or if somebody's short with you or if they give you bad service at a restaurant or something like that, you might try to remind yourself maybe this person's having a really tough day. And they're doing something that they wouldn't normally do. But, I mean, to, so for this boss, this is, it's really tough for me to forgive this because I think to myself, like, is she only making, giving this explanation because she's getting such negative feedback? Is this just a way to save the company? Is this just a way to, like, you know, save her bottom line, which is probably going to take a really, really steep dip after a decision like this? I mean, I imagine it would. So, can they move on from this? Do you think this is sufficient to move on from this? And should they be able to move on from it? I tend to think that you should be able to move on from this. Everybody can make mistakes. I understand that. I think it's a good thing that she's saying I made the wrong decision. I don't know that I necessarily need it to be public like this. Maybe if she had just gone to the employee and said, hey, I'm going to make everything right. Financially, we're going to make you whole. We're not going to ask you to be in this stressful situation anymore. And hey, maybe we're even going to give you a promotion. I don't know. I'm like, just make it right with the employee. I don't necessarily need this to be a public thing, but they chose to take it public. So thinking back, it really was a terrible mistake. I own 100% of that. She says also, and this is the other part that people are kind of astounded by, on the, all the comments I've read online, everyone's like, how would a mom ever make a decision like this? But she's a mom, This the, bo- the CEO of this company that we're hearing from. She's a mom and she's a female boss. And how are none of these things factoring in when she did not originally denied her employee the ability to go and be with her child in the NICU? As a mom, as a, a female um, owner of the business, and especially a baby business, I feel like I need to set the straight, the record straight, that I fully realize the um, impact of my action, my decision, my short-sightedness, um, that I did not accommodate Marissa Foley and did not even reach out to her personally. Didn't even talk to her at all. Um, what? <laughs> didn't even reach out and call her and talk to her personally. I mean, it's that's very personal. You should you should reach out to your employees. If you find out your employees got a kid in the NICU and they're asking for time off because it's a, like I all of my bosses here would reach out. I feel very fortunate at the station here. I love all my bosses. I've known them now for years. I've known them all for like 20 years and we have a great relationship, but not just because I know them well, do they care about my well-being? They care about everybody that I work with and I'm, I'm positive that they would reach out. If one of my coworkers was having an experience like this, I know for a fact 
that my bosses would reach out and say, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make this work for you and your family because we care about you. So this, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going too much on this and being too hard on this lady. Maybe I'm being too hard. You let me know in the text line, 888-973-5476. About what happened to her uh, until today. And I really want to apologize to her and to the community. And I would really want to take this opportunity to say that I'm sorry and I would, you know, rethink about the whole thing. All right, so she's sorry. She rethinks the whole thing. Do you guys think this uh, is uh, sufficient? Do you think this is a sufficient groveling apology that then the company gets to move forward? Let me know, 888 All right, speaking of dumb things, let's move on to some other dumb things. This is interesting. Freshman rep Maxwell Frost, Democrat Florida, launched a tirade against the Republican-led Secure the Border Act. He was speaking in Congress, and he's not up. He's not happy with this Republican uh, an act known as HR two, which they're trying to put forth to secure the border between the United States and Mexico. And he said, "Hey, you're not being fair. You can't be. You know, you're not. You're not welcoming immigrants. And if you're not willing to welcome the immigrants that are trying to come across the border illegally uh, between U.S. and Mexico, then we need to get rid of some of our big signs, some of our big statues that are." basically welcoming immigrants and saying this is a land of opportunity. And so let's I'm in, I'm going to introduce a bill here that gets rid of that statue. And the one specifically that I'm speaking about that I think you probably have already picked up on is the Statue of Liberty. So I assume this was being done in jest, but he's actually entering a bill here and he's saying I hope that somebody supports this as well. Listen to this. To my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, let's be honest with immigrants who deserve better than what you're offering them. Don't welcome immigrants if you plan to reject them. If you keep pushing your bigoted H.R. 2 bill, then also pass this bill. I've taken the liberty of drafting it for you. It removes the Statue of Liberty, our largest symbol that tells people to come here. As he's saying this, one of his one of his aides, I don't, I don't, I don't know who it is, but one of his helpers is standing behind him with a big cartoon depiction of the Statue of Liberty on that you know giant base. Um, out there in uh, in New York, and then the aide behind him, as he says, "Let's remove the Statue of Liberty." Kind of makes a show of flipping back the page, and now we see just the the pedestal that the Statue of Liberty stands upon, and it's now just empty. There's nothing there, and uh, it's I guess giving an exa- an idea of what that space would look like if the Statue of Liberty was removed. This is who you are, removing the fabric of America. So I want to know which Republican who supports and voted for H.R. 2 will introduce this bill. Now, what's interesting, I, you know, I, we don't get into a whole lot of political stuff here because I, I t- usually find stuff like this boring and disingenuous. I, politicians kind of bug me. But I am interested in this discussion about uh, the borders. We've talked about this recently. I think Jake Tapper just was talking to somebody the other day. And he was referencing the number of people who've come across the border. It's in the hundreds of thousands, like per month, that are coming across, not legally. And that's a problem in a country when you don't have people coming across legally. We have a system set in place. We want people to come over here. We want the best and brightest from everywhere to come to America and to experience the riches of our country. The same that Canada does. Like if you go up to Canada and you just want to walk across the border, they're not going to let you do it. Just think about it. When was the last time you went to Canada? And drove through that gate up there on your way to Vancouver, Whistler, or something like that. Some awesome place in Canada you might be going. Whitehorse. I don't know where you're going in Canada. You're going somewhere fun. Where are you going? They're gonna, if you drive through up there, you're going to have to go through the border. They're going to ask you to see your license. 
They're going to ask to see your passport. These are just normal things. And every, every country does. I don't know why America wouldn't do this as well. But this freshman rep, Maxwell Frost, Democrat, Florida, he says he wants to take the Statue of Liberty down. Do you think we should take the Statue of Liberty down? I don't think so. Dum, 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 dum. Yes, it's dumb. Speaking of immigration, this is a big deal. And to pretend like it's not a big deal, listen to this. Charlemagne the God, he's a very popular radio host. He's got a phenomenally popular radio program called The Morning Show. He was recently talking about how he is hearing from all sorts of people on the Democratic side of things. And they are actually very alarmed at this kind of open border policy that seems to be going around right now, where you just have hundreds of thousands of people coming through every single month. How do you track that? How do you make sure that everyone coming through is safe? So he mentioned that. He was talking on Fox News about it. I have never spoken to as many people who are concerned about the migrant issue as I have, you know, over the past year. They took 2,000 migrants and, and, and put them in the school and made the school stay home, made the, the students stay home and, 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 and uh, you know, do school via, via, via Zoom. Yeah, he's actually referencing a, uh, a school in New York. I think it was in Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. But a school in New York actually sent out a message to all their students. They said, hey, school's canceled. It's going to be online, much like it might be on a, uh, you know, if somebody, uh, if it's a school snow closure or something like that. And they said, school's going to be online. You can check in online and just do your homework remotely. But we have to close the school down because we're actually going to move in a bunch of folks in, in, uh, in New York who are migrants to New York. And they don't have a place to sleep and it's getting cold outside and we don't have any place to shelter them. So we're going to actually take over the school gym and put them in the gym. So you have children being displaced from high schools to make room because it's a big problem. It's a big issue. And again, I want as many people to come in legally into our country as they can get in. I think that's a great thing. I think it's wonderful because I think we live in the best country in the world. I, you know, you may not feel that way, but I feel that way. And I want them to come in. But we have a system of rules put in place for people to do that. And that was a big issue. Like, I mean, people were calling the radio station. That was just this week, you know, really, really, really complaining about that. So I've never seen, you know, working class people who I interact with every day until this past year really, really, really express their frustration. Well, it's going to be interesting. I wonder if it's going to be a big deal when it comes to the election. Obviously, this is election year. It's going to be a hot topic. One of the big topics that people are going to be discussing. Does it matter to you? I'd be interested. 888-973-5476. Do you care about immigration? Do you think it's Do you think it's going to affect how people vote? You may disagree, and maybe it doesn't. I don't know. People may not care about it too much. All right. We have a lot more coming up on the show. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. Listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I got a good buddy on the show with me right now, Mike Lefko from 710 Seattle Sports. And every time Mike comes on, that means. Score time with Scorheim. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jake. You know what? I look forward to this every Friday. I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's score time. It's score time. Yes. Here we go. I love it. Well, I hope our audience looks forward to it as much as you and I both do. 
Um, and I really do. It's fun. Yeah. Right? So thank you we, for coming. We didn't have a, even have enough time to talk about half of what we wanted to last week. I know. We That's ended so up just talking going about on. like dreaming about an NBA team. The Sonics. I mean, yeah. we could do that. Ugh, we could. Okay. We could do that for. I don't want to get distracted. We could do that every single Friday <laughs> until they come back. <laughs> let's talk about Sonics every time. Um, all right. So let's start with like the coaching sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Where, who's going to be the next coach of the Seahawks? Uh, we are really nowhere. We're nowhere. It's a, it's a slow process. It's a good start. Now, here's the thing. There's not really a lot of urgency in the NFL because there aren't set timelines that things happen until the Super Bowl ends. And so a lot of guys the Seahawks are interviewing, they are part of staffs that are still in the playoffs, which that's it's kind of a good thing. You want coaches so that are wor- still coaching. They're, they're not worrying about these guys being plucked up by somebody else. Uh, that's also the issue, too, because oh, okay. a lot of these guys that are getting a lot of interviews – they're in high demand. So, you know, five to six, maybe seven teams are interviewing the same people that Seattle is. And that's just, that's the nature of this offseason. There are seven openings right now. There were eight. The Crazy. Patriots filled theirs right away. So there are seven openings. So a lot of guys are going to interviews. And you really do have to kind of cast a wide net because if for some reason you do zero in on a choice and he gets plucked somewhere else, all right, you better really know what you want in that second choice. So with the Seahawks, you have, uh, you know, the number one guy right now, is it still Dan Quinn? Are people still excited about him, or has his name kind of started to fade a little bit? Uh, Dan Quinn is the familiar option. He's the, the maybe the safe option. So it falls into two camps, and this has been the fascinating discussion that we've had pretty much every day on our shows uh, across our station. Do you want something that is almost a continuation of the Pete Carroll culture? And certainly Dan Quinn knows everything about what was going on here. He was here. He was here for the success, but he was also you know part of the Pete Carroll system where, hey, it's been a struggle these last few seasons. That's why Pete Carroll is no longer the head coach. So if you're in the camp of don't rock the boat and you want to keep that continuity, maybe with a fresh face or maybe with a guy that might come in with some new ideas in Dan Quinn, but still the overall concept's the same. Keep this roster, manage them, keep them going. Then Dan Quinn's probably your favorite. If you want a guy who's vastly different an untested, maybe like an offensive or defensive coordinator right now who they have skewed young, like these coordinators everyone's talking about. They're in their mid-30s, so they're skewing young. Crazy. But those are the guys who recently in the NFL, when they've worked, they've had great ideas. They've had great teams like Sean McVay with the Rams. Yeah, he was He's the shining example because he was hired at 31 years old, and a few years later they <laughs> won a Super insane. Bowl. I know, it makes me feel bad about myself. Just but, insane. Yeah. Like a couple years out of his 20s? Yes. And he's the 31. head coach of an NFL team. I couldn't run team. an NFL team at 31. Could I you? couldn't do it now. I, I couldn't do it now. But, like, imagine just the leadership skills that somebody yeah. has to come in, being able to say, all right, I'm not – like, Sean McVay, clearly, looking at him, he's not an athlete. He seems like he's fit and everything, but was he, like, a, a stellar college athlete? Yeah, I don't remember. I think he was a wide receiver somewhat. He's got a football background because uh, his grandpa was some big-time football executive. Oh, okay. So he's been in football his whole life. Gotcha. Okay, but – Compared to the guys that he's around, right, he doesn't look like those guys. Those guys are in pretty good shape. Well, he's he's but short, he, but yeah, he's, but he's not giant. Yes, right. Those guys are big. He's giant. not like a Dan Quinn or a Mike Vrabel, who was a former NFL player at a high yeah. level, and that's another name that's been thrown out there. And so. he's not like Pete, who has the age and experience, so these young guys right. look up to him. They're literally looking at a peer. I mean, like they're just sli- he's slightly older than his players. But that's a reason why there's a school of thought that you want someone like that in order to relate to today's players. Sure. Because the old school line of coaching, even Bill Belichick, who is stood up and you know put on that pedestal as the greatest NFL coach of all time, he has struggled in the last couple of years because he can't relate to his players. That's yeah, kind of the, the mantra in New 71 England. 71 years old. Yeah. What do they so have in common with a 71-year-old I know. So do you want someone that is more relatable, if they can garner that respect, who's in their mid-30s, that's close in age to these guys and knows exactly what life's like now? I don't know what the kids are doing these days. I don't know all their lingo, but... 
someone in the locker room like that that can relate Some, to them. Somebody knows how to use TikTok. Yeah, I yes. don't. Yeah, I I refuse to download that. So I don't I don't know go. why I've stayed off it for so long. But hey, I'm still pounding that fist to stay off it. But there's a school of thought there that if you do want someone like that. That around the league, that's become kind of a hot, popular thing because of Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins. Kyle Shanahan's relatively young with the 49ers and Sean McVay, of course, with the Rams. Like fresh and new is always yes. exciting. It, right, like, exactly. Like I, I like the idea. What, what, do you have a preference? Because I yeah. know how I feel about it. I, I do. And I think, yes, I'm leaning towards that school of thought as well. You want fresh and new. Because I just want, I just want a vast shakeup. You know, the Seahawks have found a great level of continuity, but that continuity hasn't led to any postseason success. Yeah. They haven't made an NFC championship game since the year they went to the Super Bowl and, and lost to the Patriots, but they haven't made a conference title game since then. So you're going on almost a decade now. And they've only won, I think, last time we were on, talking what, one about one playoff game. One playoff game like since six 2016. Years? Yeah, yeah. So you run the risk of bottoming out and having it not work. And for a culture that established that continuity of 14 years of head coach and GM together, that is a risk. But if you don't rock the boat... You might also just bring in someone who your ceiling isn't much higher than what you had with Pete Carroll. Yeah. I like Dan Quinn. I mean, I think the idea of him makes sense yeah. in a lot of ways, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the idea that you could get somebody fresh and new and shake things up, best case scenario for Dan Quinn is he takes what Pete had already built and he gets it over the line and maybe they have some success in the playoffs. But when you look at the Seahawks as they are right now, are they a dominant team who could win in a, who, who could win a Super Bowl? They have good pieces. And I don't think right now with the pieces they have, they can. But if you get a little bit boost, and that's why I think for me and for some people, new is appealing because you want to see what a fresh idea, a fresh mind, and a fresh guy can do with all these pieces. Yeah. Because it felt like that very good offense for the Seahawks was completely underutilized last year. So you don't want someone that necessarily comes in and has the same kind of mindset and maybe doesn't have innovative ways to get guys open. So the hot names right now for young offensive minds are the Texans offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, and the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. It's because they've taken uh, teams where nothing was really expected in terms of the Texans with a, a rookie quarterback and had a lot of things they needed to improve on, and now they won a playoff game, and C.J. Stroud looks great. Or the Lions have always struggled, yeah. and Jared Goff was traded out of L.A. because he couldn't do it with the Rams, well, now he looks now great, great with the Lions. With the Lions. And Ben yeah. Johnson has been uh, highly praised for the concepts he does, for the way he puts his guys in situations to succeed. So yeah. hearing all that and with the offensive pieces the Seahawks have, that's incredibly appealing. Ben Johnson, I didn't, I didn't realize his name was on it. He is the brother of a very good friend of mine. Oh, really? Who was like a former oh. roommate, really good friend of mine. And uh, so he's exciting. I mean, the idea that he could come and be in Seattle and, you know, take the take over the so team. So that's would your be, preference now. That's my <laughs> preference. Now. Yeah, I want Ben Johnson. Yeah. I'm going to have a direct line to the guy. And now, call him up okay, right now. when he's hired and you have the direct line, first interview coming yeah, on our I'll station. I'll send him okay, to you. Let's I'll say, go. Ben, you got to talk to Mike. I want Absolutely. Ben Johnson now, too. You want Ben Johnson? Because good. of that. <laughs> he, I... I, he does a great job with the line zone. Every time, every time they show him on the sidelines, mm-hmm. he looks like he's like Sean McVay. He's yes, just like he's in exactly. it. He's super engaged in the game. Looks like he's you know Ben Johnson all the way. That's exciting. if you're along that school of thought too. You look at the division specifically for the Seahawks, and they're competing with the Niners and the Rams. You got to play those teams at least twice a year, and so that definitely plays a factor. If you're in a weaker division like the NFC South or the AFC South as it had been, you might be able to do a safe choice. I think you need to go bold because the teams you're competing with every season. Yeah. Ah, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't even have a chance to get to just, okay. We got like 30 <laughs> seconds. Okay. Bill Belichick, Atlanta Falcons. Is that going to happen? 
seems like it. He's gotten a second interview, and he's the only one to get a second interview. So it would be wild for a franchise that suffered their worst, most agonizing loss at the hands of Bill Belichick to hire him, but they like his pedigree. Well, he was 4-13 and last season, though. Yeah. Does that like not call into question anything for uh, them? I mean, he's going to be 72 when yeah, the Yeah, it sounds starts. like the Falcons roster has a lot more talent than the Patriots did. And okay. you just need a guy that maybe can just come in for a couple years, maximize yeah. that talent. Yeah. He's not going to be a long-term answer. Like, no, I don't even obviously. know how long he wants to coach again. Maybe I, maybe just one more year. I was Probably just to wash that 4-13 yeah. record off of his yeah, Obviously. All right, well, uh, lots of fun stuff. Go Ben Johnson. That's the that's my takeaway from this one. Um, Mike Lefko, 710 Seattle Sports. Thanks for coming yeah, in. Yeah, always fun. Thanks, Jake. All right, we got a lot more coming up on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It is the final segment of the night. And for the final segment of the night, what we aim to do here for you guys is to bring you a story you probably wouldn't hear anywhere else. Something that is unique to us. Something that really gives you an insight into the depth of our show. And so I'm going to get to that in just a second. But first, let's talk about churros. (laughs) I'm sorry, stupid. Um, All right, so yesterday we were talking about how Costco has decided, in their infinite wisdom, to remove the churro. I don't know why they made this decision. I found out about it before I saw it in the news. I was just a person at Costco shopping. I'm walking through the line. I'm buying my stuff. I'm waiting there at the checkout, and I look over at the cafe. You guys all know what that looks like. They got the big cafe sign. They got the big pictures of hot dogs and and soda pop and pizzas and all that stuff at great prices. Don't get me wrong. Great prices. They have a roast beef sandwich. Now, I haven't tried that yet, but I hear it's pretty good. So I'm looking over there, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to treat myself to a churro because, one, they're delicious, and two, I've earned it. I made a run to Costco and I got everything that we need. And I had done something else that day that I felt like I had like crossed something off the honeydew list. And so I felt like I deserved a churro. So I was looking over there at the menu, like wondering, I was just like, I don't know, it's like pre, pre-envisioning the process of going over and buying it just to speed things up. I can't see it like anywhere. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe it's just not on the list. So I look at the guy across from me who's checking me out and uh, not actually checking me out. Like he's checking out my stuff. Like I'm purchasing it from him. And I don't know. He could have been checking me out. I don't know. Maybe that's his thing, whatever. Anyway. So I said to the guy, I say, Hey, um, do you guys sell churros anymore? And he looks up at me like I have just stumbled upon the Pandora's box for him. The, the thing he's desperate to talk about. And he goes, no, we're not. Do me a favor. And he, he made a very impassioned plea for me to follow the instructions on this receipt and to complain. And he goes, and do it as much as you can. Get that churro back. He felt passionate about it. And, you know, he's a nice guy, great guy. I feel passionate about it because I love that churro. It's delicious. They're replacing it with a chocolate chip cookie, which is boring. Chocolate chip cookies are boring. Nobody cares about a cookie. I don't even know why they have this chocolate chip cookie. I'm not that interested in it. Look at that cookie. Did you really think that this group of women was going to finish that cookie? I never got a chance to try that cookie. Ooh, delicious. It's like going to be $2.50 and 
It's got a bunch of calories. It's got a bunch of butter, whatever it is. It's like it's going to be delicious, I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. I love a chocolate chip cookie. But that's boring. You can get it anywhere, including Costco. Like Costco already sells cookies. So why are they selling a bigger cookie up front, like a single cookie? I don't I'm not that interested. I want a 12-pack, a variety pack. But what I want at the cafe is a churro. And I'm just begging Costco, please make the churro happen again for me. Would you please? Please. I'm begging. All right. Before we go, really fast before we go, I want to tell you guys that thing that I was hinting at at the start of the segment, the depth that we cover on our show. Did you guys know that at Berkeley, if you have any questions about the value of higher higher learning, these, these institutions of higher learning, $40,000 a year, that's what Berkeley costs. They now offer a course on, listen to this, the art of video game fighting, the art of fighting games. So you can go into Berkeley and you can study Street Fighter, which when I was a kid, I did for free. It didn't cost you anything. I mean, it's just like I played it and it was a blast. I could probably get an A in this class because I played a lot of fighting games. Uh, Street Fighter was a great one. Tekken for, I think that was only on PlayStation, phenomenal fighting game. If anybody's ever played Tekken, they know what I'm talking about. I think they made like five or six of them. I haven't played it since like Tekken 2. It's probably where I checked out and started being an adult. But uh, so fighting games, I'm well versed in fighting games. But when I go to Berkeley and spend $40,000 a year just to study fighting games, if I'm a parent of a kid at Berkeley, this is not like exciting news for me. I'm not super thrilled about this. I don't think this is great. So my kids, someday, when they go to college, I will heavily push them to not take this video game class because you're just, you can do that in your dorm room. You can play the video games in your dorm room. That's great. That's what I did. What, what was the game that was a big one when I was in college? Halo. That's a big one that I played in college, like a lot. Like Halo was great. Halo 1, 2, all the, all the sequels. Fantastic. And still really fun. If you get a chance to play Halo, it's a good time. All right. That's our show. I hope you guys have had a wonderful night tonight. We have had a wonderful time bringing you the show. Truly, it's a blast to come in every day and do the show and hang out with you guys. We really appreciate you guys spending your time with us. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you get so much stuff done. If that's your plan, if you got a lot of stuff on your to-do list, I hope you just crush it. If you don't have anything on your to-do list, I envy you. And I hope you have a great time just like laying around, eating food, and watching movies or whatever you plan on doing. Whatever you plan on doing, I hope it goes off without a hitch. So good luck. But come back here on Monday because we got a great show planned for Monday. We're already working on it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come back to us and download the podcast if we get a chance. Kyra Knights with Jake Scorheim. We really appreciate it. Mash down that button, whatever you got to do, and follow the podcast. But that's it for us. Hope you guys have a great night and a great weekend. Night-night.